Welcome to the Kings and Beatles Daily Deep Dive. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 243. If you are new to this podcast slash web series, um, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page where we are all the new episodes are being added there in real time. And then our archives from the audio only podcast are being added slowly. There's over 200 episodes to go through and convert to video. So it's taking a little bit of time, but they are getting added up and added to playlists specific to the albums they're from. So you can go and listen to, for example, all of the uh, episodes we've done about Ram will be in a Ram podcast. And you can just boom, 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 listen to them all. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, and you can find us on all the social media. But right now, I'd really love it if you followed on, on YouTube. Today, we're talking about Smile Away by Paul McCartney, released May 17th, 1971 on the album Ram as the side one closer. And there are some international singles that feature Smile Away as the B-side. There's a few European countries. I think Japan is one of the uh, countries um, where Eat at Home is the A-side and Smile Away is the B-side. Okay, but it does not appear on a 45 in the United States or the UK. And on the album, this song is crossfaded with the end of Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. But just like the crossfade was removed for the Uncle Albert single here in the States, uh, that crossfade was removed on the 45 for Smile Away in Europe and Japan. So if you can find this 45, it might be a cool one to add to your collection. I like collecting the 45s. You know, I have... um, a couple years ago, I started my, my vinyl collecting, and I focused on the Beatles and the Kinks, because otherwise I would spend a fortune on everything that I like. Um, and I found that I like getting the 45s the most, because you get these weird edits, you get different mixes, um, and it's something different that you don't hear on the main album, and a lot of times they haven't been included on on the CD reissues either. So it's it's cool. If you can find this 45, um, I would definitely pick it up. And if you find two, let me know and I'll, I'll buy one off you. Uh, despite being a great rocker that would fit perfectly in a live set to this day, Paul hasn't actually performed this track on stage since the 1972 Wings Over Europe tour. And I wish, 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 wish that Paul would do a tour where he just plays songs like this. Right? I saw him in t- 2002. And he played for three hours and like 30 songs or more than that. I don't remember how many songs it was. But it was a ridiculously long concert. And you walked out of there going, oh, he didn't play Get Back. He didn't play this. Right? He, there's a, a list of songs he didn't play. And then when he went on tour the next year or the next tour he did, um, I didn't see it. But I'm looking at the set list. And like half the set list is stuff that he didn't do prior. The guy's got 50 years of catalog to pull from. And it would be cool if just once, maybe this next tour he's on. Just pull out all these obscure songs, right? Because nobody that's paying what he's asking them to pay is um, a new fan. Nah, maybe they are new fans, but a casual fan, right? Nobody that's paying $300 to go see Paul McCartney is paying that money because they have For No One and Band on the Run on a Spotify playlist, right? These are diehards. They want to see Paul McCartney in concert, because they love his entire catalog with the Beatles and solo and all that. These are the diehards. So if he came out and was like, you know what? I'm not going to do Yesterday and Band on the Run, but I am going to do Smile Away and, uh, you know, Warm and Beautiful. Right? Those are two great songs that he would never play live 
when he was trying to have to play the hits because he's got too many hits. This one, I would love to hear him do it live. I think his voice, he could still do it now because even though it's a rocker, uh, range-wise, it's kind of right in where he can still push his voice. Um, Yeah, this would be a cool one to pull out live. It's been 50 years, Paul. Pull out Smile Away. Recording for this song began on November 16, 1970, and overdub sessions were recorded throughout January, March, and April of 1971. And Paul has stated that Smile Away was influenced by Jerry Lee Lewis. Musically, I don't hear it. I think this song is a bit too advanced um, to carry that influence. Jerry Lee really focused on 12-bar blues in the key of C for a lot of his stuff. Um, but vocally, I do hear the influence. And, you know, Paul was known for this every vocal he ever recorded had the potential to be a different vocal you know uh characteristic like lady madonna was him doing fats domino this one if you listen to it listening for that influence um you can hear the jerry lee lewis jerry lee lewis influence in the track but it doesn't smack you right out of the gate because like lady madonna you hear fats domino because the song sounds like a fats domino song Right, but this is not a Jerry Lee Lewis song. It's just a Jerry Lee Lewis vocal. And so if you focus on that, I think you do hear it in his vocal delivery. Um, Denny Sywell, who played drums on this track, said that Paul used to do this thing where you smile away with your mouth, but your eyes glare like you really hate the guy. And it's easy to dismiss the lyrics as nonsense, and I think the verses probably are, but I think the chorus is actually an autobiographical plea. And McCartney's depression post-Beatles is pretty well documented, especially now. He's talked about it a lot more in recent years. Um, and if you take the term smile away as it's defined by Denny Sywell, it makes sense you, that, that Paul is screaming this as a therapy to himself to break his depression. Much in the same way that John used those primal scream techniques on Plastic Ono Band. Right? It's like if you're driving to uh, an uncomfortable situation, you know, and you're in the car and you're like, just stay cool, just stay cool, don't lose it, man, just stay cool. I think that's what he's doing in this song, right? Smile away, smile away, smile away. Just keep that smile on, don't let him get to you. Um, But like I said, I think that's specific to the chorus. I think the verses are probably more or less gibberish. And I can see why critics are not initially enamored by the Ram album as a whole, Partly because of this song, because we're now finishing the first side of the album and there's been a pretty heavy serving of nonsensical lyrics that seem almost improvised in the moment. And there's very little trademark McCartney, uh, except for Uncle Albert, on the whole of side one. The lyrics on side two might be a little bit more focused uh, than side one, except for Monkberry Moon Delight. And, and musically, it taps into a few more things that McCartney was known for. Um, but I think by the end of side one, critics had made up their mind that this was not a Paul McCartney album, and therefore it sucked. Wrongfully, I think many of you will agree, but I, I think that's where they're coming from. And we've got Three Legs, we've got Smile Away, we've got Ram On. To an extent, we've got Too Many People, even though that's a more cohesive lyric, it is a little bit cryptic. Um, the song forms don't follow standard McCartney song forms. There's not really a love song. Dear Boy is sort of a love song, but he's kind of singing it in you know in a spiteful way. Um, so there's not a lot of 
stuff where you can go, oh, this sounds like McCartney of the White Album. This sounds like Revolver McCartney. This sounds like Abbey Road McCartney. Um, and I think if we're doing it now with hindsight, it's a little bit easier to do. But I get where the critics are coming from. Although I think they're wrong because I think their aversion to uh, developing sound at that time was a disservice to music criticism as a whole. That said, musically, Side One is a pretty great rock and roll album. And Smile Away puts a nice bow on a side really focused on guitars and layered vocals. We've heard a lot of guitar. We've heard a lot of backing vocals. Um, the, we've heard some great melodies, even if the lyrics don't always sound like they're intentional. Um, they are attached to some great melodies. And I mentioned this with other songs from Ram already. You know, we've, we're just now finishing side one, and I've already mentioned this a couple times. But I have to highlight the background vocals on this track because Paul is really at the top of his game with the backing vocals on this entire album. If you told me that Brian Wilson had arranged the backing vocals for this, I would totally buy it. I mean, this sounds like something that could have come off of Pet Sounds or Smile. He's not sticking to oohs and ahs, but he's really doing almost doo-wop style of backing vocals, which in a lot of ways the, the Beach Boys were doing with Brian Wilson. Um, the backing vocal that opens this song, probably gibberish, but I always hear it as, I don't know how to do that. Right? So, what uh, key are we? We're in E. Uh, how to do that? Don't know how to do that. Don't know how to do that. Don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Right? It, to me, it sounds like he's saying, I don't know how to do that. Which, if true, really adds more validity to my interpretation of the chorus. If he's opening up with saying, I don't know how to do that. And then going, smile away, smile away, smile away. It's this conflict. And when you're going through a depression, really like a post-breakup depression, which is what Paul was going through after the Beatles, you know, like in a divorce or some kind of relationship ending, you have this conflict where you know you need to be strong, you know what you need to do to get over it, but you can't because your, your heart is broken. Maybe I'm giving too much meaning to it. They probably are just gibberish. I didn't see any, I didn't look too hard. I didn't see anything online written that would suggest that, that I'm hearing those words the way they are intended. But who knows? Other than the chorus, um, and these probably misheard backing vocals though, I don't think the rest of the lyrics carry much meaning other than Paul needed them to end with Mile Away. And I'll bet this is one song that John Lennon couldn't even make about himself. He has managed to make almost every other song on this album about himself. And unless, of course, he has horribly smelly feet or bad breath, um, I don't think this is even John can make this about him. Now, if it is the case that he has horrible breath and horrible smelling feet, this might be the diss track to end all diss tracks. Harmonically, there's not much to talk about. The song is almost entirely made up of one, four, and five chords in the key of E major, with two exceptions. There's a B flat in the verse, um, but it's used as a chromatic passing tone, and you hear that in the intro where he's doing that one right there. That's a B flat um, because he's using it as a passing tone. I don't even analyze it as a chord. It's just, it's just a passing tone. And then there's a D minor or a D major 
chord that Paul uses to shift out of the chorus and into the verse. And this is an interesting choice of chord. And the D major does not belong in the key of E, but it is the four chord of the four chord. So it's not borrowed um, totally out of left field, like we've seen with some of the other chords that he just you know pulls out out of nowhere. This chord is somewhat related to the key of E, but it is it is still a broad chord. What makes it cool though, and this is the part where uh, the D chord is like on the on the chorus. Don't know how to do that. Don't know how to do. It's that's your D chord, and he resolves it to the B major chord. Um, and both chords have some stuff in common, and they have some stuff nearby, right? Both chords have an F sharp, so that note is constant in both of them. But there's also a D in the D chord that resolves up to a D sharp in the B chord. And there's the A from the D chord, which resolves up to the B. So we've got this... Uh, uh, This, this kind of almost like dominant chord function, even though it's not part of the key, the home key. And it's also resolving to the five instead of the one because B is your five chord in the key of E. And that's, that's where he bases the verses. He's basing them off of the five and then going down to four. Right, so the verse doesn't actually have the home chord anywhere in it. It's just five, four, five, four, five, four, five, four. And then when he gets to the chorus, we finally resolve to that one key. I was walking down the street the other day. Who did I meet? I met a friend of mine and he did say, right, it's just five, four, five, four. And then we get smile away, smile away um, on that one chord. So, other than that, it's a straight-ahead blues chords played over straight-ahead blues shuffle, but it is not a standard blues progression, right? Blues progression, he would be on E for most of the song, but he plays entire verses without ever touching the E. So it's not even close. So we have Paul thinking of Jerry Lee Lewis's vocals, composing a doo-wop backing track, and arranging the band to play a heavy shuffle, um, which all these things separate, you'd think it wouldn't mix very well, but it actually mixes together perfectly. And, I, you know, I've talked about this before. I have problems with a lot of McCartney's lyrics. Um, to me, there are three types of lyrics. There's great lyrics, passable lyrics, and lyrics that detract from the song. And most of us songwriters are hoping for passable lyrics. Um, if you can write a passable lyric, more power to you. It's not easy. I don't say passable as an insult. Um, great lyrics are far and few between. And there are very few folks who can come up with one great lyric per album. Most, play, most folks have passable lyrics their entire career. But then there's the third one, which are lyrics that detract from the song. Right? Um, and you could probably break up, you know, break that up into smaller subsections. But lyrics that detract from the song, I think, are the worst. And McCartney has a fair share of detracting lyrics. But on this song, even though these lyrics are bordering on nonsense and silliness, right? He's talking about, I can smell your teeth a mile away. That's a ridiculous line. It's silly. It's kind of beneath um, a 30-year-old rock star. 
even though he's got that and it's bordering on nonsense and silliness, none of them really detract from my enjoyment of the total performance. So even though it's nonsense, to me, this still qualifies as a passable lyric. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't pull me out of the song like a lot of lyrics can do. Um, so I guess this is where, I, again, where I disagree with the, the contemporary critics of, of this album. If you have opinions on this one, of course, you can join us in the live chat um, during the premieres of these videos. And you can also add comments to this video after the fact, or you can contact me. Email at kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. Phone number is 925-494-1739, or you can leave me a voicemail and I'll play it on a future episode. And um, of course, hit us up on all the social medias. Got a Facebook, got the Twitter, got a subreddit. We've got a TikTok. We've got this YouTube page that I'd love you to subscribe to. And of course, you can download uh, or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Thanks for joining me today. I will talk to you tomorrow where we are back to the kinks. Have a great day and stay safe, everyone.